Hello and welcome to Naked and a Little Bit Afraid with Mel and Kay. Join us as we peel back the layers into a space of vulnerability, unscripted, unfiltered, 100% us, fully clothed. (laughs) You guys are going to have to um, just uh, don't mind my sex voice here. I don't know what's happening. (laughs) I'm losing my voice, but it's also kind of nice and raspy. (laughs) I'm going to have to change my job here. Um, anyways, so we have a very special guest today. Her name is Alicia. Hi, everybody. <laughs> we're just, uh, we're playing musical chairs here. We're trying to all be in the same area, but there's nothing left in my house, so it's hard. Anyways, um, so yeah, thanks for joining us, Alicia. Thank you for coming on Naked and a Little Bit Afraid. We're very excited to have you. Um, as always, our our podcast is unfiltered and unscripted. However, we do come to this podcast with a topic. So Alicia and I have had, I just want to have a disclaimer here. Um, we don't we didn't have similar journeys because it's completely different, but there is some similarities in it if that makes any sense <laughs> no that definitely makes total sense um so today we're kind of talking what donation Do- donation fertility journey for me um and yeah just kind of going from there and and just really recognizing as we talk about it it's 100 our own personal experiences because everybody's journey in this is unique to their own. So I'll just kind of be speaking to myself and Kaylin to her. And Mel's going to ask us questions. <laughs> and Mel's going to ask us questions. <laughs> Great. <laughs> um, okay, so I'll start uh, just because I just got back from Toronto yesterday and I just completed my second donation of the old eggs. And so um, this is kind of a controversial topic um for some because you know it's it's a big topic um donating your eggs is something that a lot of people don't even know is is a thing and um it very well is when I told my dad he was like oh my god Kaylin just get a tv (laughs) I don't know how you come up with this shit and uh you know and there's some he's been supportive but there you know it's just it it is something interesting so yeah I from what I understand I think Alicia and I went through somewhat of the same process because you tell them your like why you had to do this why we went the route of that okay like you want me to start from like just a little long like a long short-ish spiel yeah okay so short long-ish spiel is uh baby number one we were, you know, you're on birth control and you're like, let's have a baby. Everybody says it takes like a year. So I'll go off birth control and we'll start trying. And she was like the wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Uh, within months we were pregnant, um, had her life was trucking along. Um, then we decided to try for baby number two. And that is sort of where our journey took a big shift. Uh, we, uh, I had no problems getting pregnant. Um, but I wasn't staying pregnant. I ended up having, uh, three ectopic pregnancies, um, which are, were big and heavy and, and hard to go through. 
Uh, but essentially, and I won't get into that because that's not the big topic here, but essentially that led us down the road of going to in vitro uh, because I lost, because um, with my first ectopic, they had to take the tube. My second ectopic, they repaired the remaining tube. And then my third ectopic, they had to take the tube. So that was kind of, we had already had an appointment at the fertility clinic, knowing we were having some issues. Um, but then, yeah, then once the third third ectopic and tube was gone, we just in vitro was our only option. Um, and I will say just knowing the various people that I have talked to who have gone through in vitro, um, I am very grateful and very, very grateful that as smooth as ours could go, um, it went um, because really the only, the only issue was for us was my damn tubes just being bitches and not, not getting things to where they needed to go. Um, so yeah. And so and then in terms of getting that journey going, um, yeah, I wonder how, I guess I'll, yeah, I'll talk to that. So we, I remember going to a info session in March about like the things we would have to do. That would have been in March, 2018 of like the things we needed to do to kind of prepare and get ready. Um, and then by, and then, yeah, by May of 2018, we were, we were rocking and rolling and there was an embryo inside me. So yeah, for us, it was, um, getting my eggs ready, uh, which is, um, the procedures you have to do are, uh, just some injections and things to prep. And then they do the egg retrieval. And then my husband had to do his little bits into, into his cup. And then, and then they, uh, and then they put them together in a little Petri dish and watch them do their thing. And they keep us informed. I'm giving you like a really <laughs> notes for, or yeah, a very short version of this. Um, and then essentially they give us, then we get, we stay in contact and they let us know how many embryos become viable. Um, I I don't remember how many eggs I'd have to go back and look at my notes, but I don't remember how many eggs I was actually able to physically, I know it was a good number. They were impressed with the number. It was a lot to work with. Um, and then, and, and then from there, I think we ended up, we had, I think it was four viable embryos. Um, and again, we were very, very fortunate that our first embryo that was implanted, stuck. Um, and then that's how baby number two came to be. And then she is, so she was born 2019. And then these last couple of years, um, we've just been paying for what you can pay for embryo storage. Uh, so we've just been paying a yearly fee every year because we just, you know, we, we went through the in vitro process. It was big. It was involved. Um, didn't know if we were done having our family, so we just yeah wanted to keep paying for that storage to just have that option to know that we weren't starting from square one if we decided to to do have another baby. And then this last year, um, when embryo storage came up again, so the year before that, we were pretty sure we were done, but same thing. We're like, ah, storage fees are minif minimal. Let's just not. And actually at that time, um, so way back when you're filling out paperwork, um, at that time, we had three options. You could pay or you could choose to discard your embryos, donate your embryos for research, or donate to um, 
donate to like a couple for someone to like essentially, I guess, adopt, use your embryos. Um, we at that time had opted for, for research reasons. And then kind of now fast forwarding here. So last year when they kind of came up for renewal, we knew we were done, but the only options that were coming up on our form that was mailed to us was discard or donate. And we just didn't we're like, wow, I just went through all this work to get these little embryos. Discarding just didn't feel right, but donation was something like for like donating to a couple to use them was just something we had never, never talked about. Um, so then that's kind of what this last year was. We decided to pay to keep them stored and then just really kind of like actually have the conversations. And actually it was him, uh, my husband, who was kind of the one that sparked that. And then, yeah, when our, so then when they came up for fees, we officially decided to donate, um, which like Kaylin's, like even that in itself is, is a controversial issue. Um, we had, um, we were very open about it. Um, and same thing, mixed reviews, people that, you know, like, oh, that's, that's great to hear. Like what an, what an interesting experience. And some that are just like, oh, you know, I can't believe you're doing that. I couldn't do that. And to that, like, you know, I just say to each, to each your own, it's your own personal experience. There were things that had happened that whole last year when we were deciding humming and hawing to donate or not that just like just personal life experiences or other people's experiences that were coming into our life that just kind of made the decision easy for us. And so then once we decided to then donate to a couple, am I making this too long? I'm really sorry. Okay. (laughs) Um, I feel like I'm rambling and I'm trying to do short version. Um, When we decided to then donate, um, then what happens is we then, and we didn't have to leave town, which was kind of the nice thing. We didn't have to travel back to Calgary, which is where we were doing all our fertility stuff the first time. Um, we had to do some more blood work just to make sure things were still good there, which we got to do at our local hospital. Um, and then they sent us, we had to do a three generations family history of just really extensive questions, um, just about our family, um, just so they could paint that picture. And then what happened after that? So then they had that, and then that has to kind of go for like approval to like, okay, like you're, you're good. You know, everything that is coming up in here is fine. We can continue. Um, so that got approved. And then the final piece of the puzzle was having an appointment with their, um, their clinic psychologist to just ask you some more questions, you know, um, and you ask any questions that you have. And in that appointment, she, um, asks, just asks for like a picture of your life. Like, what are your interests? How did you grow up? Um, and they do that, so that that kind of information goes with the embryo so that they're giving the family that is wanting these embryos that information as well. And then we like also within that you can make um, like you get to make requests because they are like your embryos. You can like geography wise, you can say like, I don't want these embryos donated anywhere in Alberta because that's just that's too close for comfort and various things like that. Um. Yeah. So we, once she kind of asked those questions and we had that conversation, um, the other thing, which we had had this conversation prior, but we had it again at the meeting with this, with the psychologist, the other thing that just really made it feel very comfortable and really good for us was the process that they go through. It's not just like, here's embryos to the highest bidder, like take them. 
it's it's like an adoption process in at their clinic. Um, the families get um like they get home visits. They also go through um, a lot of questions and they also have to have tried. Don't, I don't remember the number, but they have to have tried and failed in vitro. Uh, I can't, I can't remember the number, but like the, there's, there's processes on their end. Like I said, it's, then that was sort of just, um, that just made it feel good knowing that um because it's really weird some it's a weird concept when you really think about your embryo because we're like you know like that's like that is your whole human <laughs> that's that's both of you um going out into the world um but like I said having all those conversations and having all of that support from the clinic to make that decision um so we yeah, we finished that appointment with the psychologist and said, yes, we like, we are still good with everything. And basically what happens now is so we have officially gotten like the approval email, um, having them thank us. Um, they are now in the donation pool or whatever you want to call it. Um, and now what happens is if at any time, if all of a sudden we're like, wait a second, like we changed our minds we definitely still have that option as long as they haven't physically been donated yet. We can call and be like, Hey, my, our embryo is still there. Change their minds. We don't, you know, we have that option up until there's not that option anymore. Um, and then the other thing um, in our appointment with the psychologist is you can opt, um, choose to um, put it in the donation that you are open to being contacted. Uh, so we chose to, yes, uh, be contacted. Um, and they, they kind of like, they didn't, um, they didn't say like, you might want to do this, but she was just really good at like, Hey, just like, whether you choose yes or no, just be aware. We live in a world where now there's all kinds of ways to track your family, whether you agree to it or not. Um, so but anyway, we, yeah, we chose to, yes, that we were good with being contacted um, if the family wanted to. And then they said what we get to know now is so we don't get to know specifics, but they said the process now for going forward for the, for the couples who are, I shouldn't even say couples for who were donating the embryo to um, is they said it's about a year, year and a half. So we have the option to then in about a year from now, because this all like just happened, just just close the door on on this chapter. Uh, we can call the fertility clinic in like a year, year and a half and just and just inquire. Hey, this is, you know, Alicia Quant's calling. Just curious if our little embryos that we donated, you know, what's happened and and they can um the most they they can tell us that like you know, your embryos were donated, but unfortunately they didn't create a viable, like nothing, you know, nothing came of it. Or they can tell us that there is a little, little baby uh, somewhere out in the world, which is again, like I, I can sit here and say now that like, when I think about that, it's my, I smile and it warms my heart. Um, I can't speak to what I will feel like a year and a half from now, if that is something that I learned, but, um, that's where we're at. And, the other thing that was just sort of interesting that the psychologist shared with us is there are there are more people awaiting embryos than there are embryos being donated, which was sort of just another thing that just made it feel like the right fit for us. Oh, that was long and short-winded. That is our journey in a nutshell. 
<laughs> you tell your side. I'm just taking this all in right now. This, this is the first time I've ever heard of that. It was very interesting. But you, Kaylin, you're on. Okay. Well, thanks for sharing that, Alicia. I do have one question um, because I think that your journey is a little bit more involved because um, A, it is you and your husband. And you also have to consider your children too, because that's a full-on biological sibling. So um, yeah, how was making this decision? Um, so yes, that was again, like this, the, they do, the fertility clinic does such a great job of supporting. And that was another thing that we did talk about with the psychologist was um, the importance of, because our, our children are younger, um, they do know that baby number two, little number two was not conceived in the, the usual route, um, but we haven't really done any in-depth. And then we also has, haven't actively shared this with them yet, um, but the psychologist was really good at giving us information um, in the form of books um, that are really like, they, they definitely cover all their bases. They give you really valuable information and, and definitely like encourage you to share. Um, and one of the reasons she said is because, so my oldest is in grade four, so they're heading into their sex education. And one of the things, cause she kind of knows the curriculum is she said, it'll be a really great thing for your kids to know, um, just, just so that they know that it's when they start talking sex ed in school, that just because you know, our family, baby number two, maybe wasn't conceived the quote unquote normal route that it's nothing to be ashamed of. And so, yeah, they've got a really, a lot of good resources around that to just have those conversations so that when they are in school doing like the sex ed and, or even just conversations as they get older, they just know that, yeah, I was a, I was an in vitro baby and like, that's totally cool. Sweet. That's really cool. Yeah. Cause that was one of my big considerations too. I was, I was totally fine with the whole process. I was, I was good with donating my eggs. And then I remember meeting with my psychologist and she's like, like, you do realize that if you choose to have children, you have to have this conversation with them because the world is a pretty small place and we can't have half siblings or full on siblings reproducing. And I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> Right. This isn't something that I just did when in my twenties. This is like, this is real life decisions. This this affects more than just me, mm-hmm. you know. And um, it it's a huge decision, and it, it truly is not for everyone. Um, so I had to sit with that for a little bit. But yeah, my friend had donated her eggs, and she was like, "You should do it, Kaylin." And I was like, "Yeah, I really should. Like, that's pretty cool, you know. Like, I'm not using these eggs right now, and um." Well, the world could use a little bit more of my DNA. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. But um, yeah, so I did my first one in 2021 and it was great. Um, they, I donated 46 eggs. Insane. It's crazy. Um, it went phenomenal. I went hiking before I, my procedure, had a nap, woke up the next day. Or no, woke up that night and was like, woohoo, let's do this. Um, I was feeling really good. And then out of those eggs, because usually like half of them die and then embryos and then half of those die, you know. Um, and so then out of all of that, this couple that I donated to got eight embryos. And you can do a known donation or anonymous donation. 
I had a known donation. So I know that this couple um, is from France. Uh, it's a gay couple. They're, they're amazing. Uh, we are in contact. Um, like we follow each other on Instagram. That's about it. And uh, they, ha they have had three transfers now and all three have failed. So that's pretty heartbreaking, but they still have some more embryos and they just are going to try and find another surrogate. Um, yeah, it's, but I, I hear what you're saying, Alicia, because, you know, I can sit here and I can be like, you know, everything's fine. I gave them a gift of my, my DNA of the eggs, like the missing piece of their puzzle to become a family. Um, but I don't know how I'm going to feel when that child's born right like it's just to me right now in my brain it's it's just logic and it's science like in my brain I'm like I am I am healthy I'm happy I'm more than capable of doing this I have more eggs in me than I'll ever use in my entire life like it's just kind of a no-brainer to me but then feeling into that like you have a child like is that child mine no I'm not going to raise it but that is half my DNA. And if I choose or life chooses for me that I never have my own child, how am I going to feel? And it's just like a whole lot of what ifs. And then I just made the decision that I'm not going to let what ifs hold me back. Like it feels right in my body. I'm going to do it. And whatever comes after that comes after that. Um, so then, yeah, I waited a bit <laughs> since I donated so many eggs the agency was like, please come back. <laughs> we need your eggs. And I'm like, no, I don't know. Like, I'm going to wait and, and see how I feel after they have a baby. Like, really just see if I want to go through this process again. And then, uh, yeah. And then I just decided back in December that it was time. Um, I had an, uh, another couple from France. Uh, they chose my profile. So as a donor, you you make a profile about like some pictures of you, your interests, your family history, any mental illness, um, all of the things like you just put it all out on the line. And the really cool thing about this is they do genetic testing on you as well. So I know that um, everything in my genes check out. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, if I do have a child, that's, that's great. And my one friend that did it found out that you know, something was off. And so when they went to conceive their child, like when she wanted to have her own baby, she already knew this about herself. So that when they started trying, she just did this one thing and they were pregnant um, pretty quickly versus if she didn't know that about her body, it would have taken them a whole lot longer. So it was a huge self-discovery yeah, it was a huge self-discovery process for me because, you know, you sit down with a profile, you put everything that you like, and then plus you're also learning about um, your biological body as well. So that was pretty cool. And then, yeah, I decided again in December to do it. And this transfer or this process um, didn't go as well. I uh, had a pretty shitty experience, actually. So, um, you know, we could go into that at a different time. but. Um, and I don't want to, I, I, the part of my journey this time that I want to share is trust your intuition and trust your gut. When something's not right, it's not right. Um, and I've said that multiple times, but again, I didn't trust my intuition and, um, 
and I should have. And um, yeah, because I'm not a nurse, I'm not a doctor. So I just trusted them and ask questions with anything medically or anything in your life. Um, I'm totally fine. Don't worry about me. I'm like, well, this is quite the buildup for nothing here. <laughs> like everything did go well. It was just a few little things that I had with this one nurse. Um, I just had uh, some trust issues with her. And so, um, yeah, I just, with anything that you do, just put a lot of thought into it and feel into your gut. And, um, yeah, now I'm excited that I got to give eggs to another couple and I'm very excited um, to be a part of their journey as well. And hopefully I'll be having Christmas in France one day. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> but um, no, it is cool. It's a, it's a pretty cool thing knowing that um, I was part of that. I've, I was that person for um, essentially four, four people now. So that's pretty cool. <clears throat> I think though, when you say like, you're fine, you're fine. I'm fine. People I'm fine. It wasn't much, but it was a huge part because you for the last two weeks have been extremely in a very vulnerable position and it wasn't fine. It wasn't small. And I think you need to recognize and say that it wasn't a small piece. Right. And you did something amazing, like both of you, but what you were dealing with wasn't small in the grand scheme of it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like just to give you a little backstory. So my nurse uh, prescribed me the wrong medication. I gave myself an extra injection, which um, with anyone uh, that's had to give needles to themselves, it's not a small thing. Alicia had to give me my first needle <laughs> because um, I'm like, your brain just doesn't let you stab yourself with a needle like mine doesn't. And so she sat behind me and she stabbed me with my first needle. And I was like, thank you. Um, but yeah, so she prescribed me an extra needle. So um, and I, I was like, I just feel like this is too early on to be taking three needles, like three different medications. I usually think you just start with two. And so then the clinic was closed, so I couldn't call them. And I'm like, whatever, Keelan, just take it. Like maybe your, your hormones are different this time around or, you know, whatever. And so then I took the third needle and I emailed her and I just said, I'm not going to have enough of this one medication, um, for the next four days, like you prescribed it. And she called me that next morning and she's like, oops, yeah, you weren't supposed to take that needle. And I was like, um, okay, well, what do we need to do moving forward? Like I just injected myself with a bunch of hormones that I didn't need. And she's like, yeah, I'm going to call the doctor and find out. And I'm like, okay. So I waited around. She called me back and she was like, yeah, so that medication actually just makes sure that your, your, um, uh, follicles and your, like your eggs don't release prematurely. So it's fine. And I was like, okay. And so that was strike number one. And she wasn't even my nurse. My nurse quit that day. And then nobody told me about it. And then all of a sudden, this random girl that I've never met or talked to is prescribing me medication. So like huge red flags, huge stress issues. And then it just kind of got like the whole clinic was just, I don't know. It was just 
it was 15 days of uncertainty and um yeah like mel said vulnerability and i just think that i need to still get better at sticking up for myself i don't want to cause any waves i don't want to be an inconvenience um but you know what at the end of the day when it comes to your health you have to be because um the mental capacity that it takes to be stressed out for 15 days is not good for you. And that's probably why I'm losing my voice <laughs> because I wasn't speaking my truth. <laughs> and as you're sitting here kind of talking about that, um, when you're talking about advocating to yourself, that makes me think of kind of backpedaling to my third topic. Um, you know, by your third one, you cut, you kind of know what it feels like and what doesn't feel right in your body. And I, and I'm not, um, the nurses and the doctors that I was conversing with when things were not going well uh, the third time, they were all very wonderful. They were all very kind, but I, but I really had to like, like, no, no, like this, this is, it's happening again. Like we got to do something. And, um, and then, yeah, eventually I, I was heard, went for the ultrasound, they saw things weren't. And then I was, and then I went to Red Deer and had the surgery. Um, and yeah, like I said, every, everybody was, was very kind, but I just, I, and like you said, you talk about like, well, like I'm not the nurse, I'm not the doctor, but it was just, but like, this is your third one. Like, you know, exactly what this feels like. And my first one, I didn't know. I thought I just had really bad gas pains. And so I was just waiting it out and I waited it out too long to the point that I was bleeding into my abdomen. So like the first one was like, holy fuck, what is happening to me? To the second one being like, okay, this is like I caught it. And then same thing, the third one, even again, like it was even sooner. So yeah, I totally get the, yeah, that you need to advocate, even if you feel like you're being a burden and you're the one that doesn't know because you're, you're not the professional, but yeah. Well, I think to that point though, too, like I nursed almost 10 years and I don't like to be that person because I, on the opposite end, think that I'm being that annoying. Well, you're wrong. I know. But anyway, so I think that always doesn't matter where you are in the spectrum of patient and that person too. I'm like, oh, I better not. I better not. And lo and behold, no, Mel, you are sick. So say something. Yeah. And I just want to say like, um, my first retrieval went fantastic and I absolutely love my nurse and she explained everything to me. Um, and I had a really great feeling and everything really did go good. The second time, um, the agency that I was going through, so not the clinic, but the actual agency that matches, uh, donors up with, um, people or intended parents is what they're called people. <laughs> um, they they were super supportive and really good and they are the people that made me realize like this is actually a really big deal and um we need to advocate for you and uh you know they tried their best but at the end of the day they were in Alberta and I was in Toronto and and the other thing is is you're on a time limit you know you can't just be like oh you know I'm gonna I'm gonna wait until you guys get better nurses and then come back like you're <laughs> you started and you need to, you can't just be like halfway through not feeling it anymore. Like, um, I mean, you could, you could do whatever the heck you want, but I was like, in this part, you got to get these suckers out of me. Um, so yeah, it's, 
It's interesting. <laughs> do, do you have any questions, Mel? Or? So for me, I'm just curious. I've never had to do hormones. We've been very fortunate. Um, how does that all feel? Like when you were explaining to me how you're feeling, like, oh, that sounds like pregnancy, but like hyper pregnancy. So I'm like, oh, grow, grow. And then like, and then all of a sudden, boom, the retreat. So now you're in post. I know. Hardum. <laughs> but anyways, can you just explain like for listeners that are similar, like just, I can't wrap my head around it because I just don't know. Sure. Uh, it's been a long time. So, and so what I know to be true about our scenario was like, it, like I said before, as smooth as it could go for us, it went. And that even goes in terms of like the medications I were, was using, the dosages I was using. Um, so whether or not that makes somebody feel right, who you are in your body, the dosing that you're taking, I had, I had very minimal dosing of things, very low dosing of things. Um, so my biggest thing, I just remember little extra hormonal and very, just very bloated very bloated and stuffy in my lower abdomen when I was kind of doing the injections and stuff. But yeah, to, to somebody else, like, that's why I say, like, I'm always very careful when I talk, talk about in vitro. Cause I just knowing it's a big world. Like once you kind of are open to talking about it, you're like, Oh, you, you, and you, and you, okay. But our experiences are all so different. Yeah. That would be like pregnancy, I guess, too. Like none of my pregnancies were the same. Would you say like for yourself, Alicia, like I don't want to say comparable because again, each pregnancy for me was different, but did it feel similar to like your first like once pregnancy? Like Like once I was pregnant or no, giving your hormone, like when you gave like that, like when you say bloated, I'm like, oh yeah, like I was like in my head, I just go to how like when I felt bloated pregnant but would you say it's comparable um I guess so yeah from what like I said from what I remember I just remember feeling like a little extra just off and just bloated yeah whether and I and in all honesty I can't because first pregnancy I didn't actually know I was pregnant right off the hop I know I'm sorry (laughs) whereas like this like in in vitro is so calculated it's so calculated. And our first one was just like the, let's have a baby. And then it wasn't until I don't even really, but it wasn't until weeks like that. It was like, Oh, light bulb. Maybe I'm pregnant. Whereas this like in vitro is so calculated that it's hard to say for me. Yeah. And I guess too, you're so hyper-focused on the fact, like you said, it's very calculated. (laughs) So you're noticing everything, everything. With my experience, um, like the very first time I went, I was with my, um, at the time boyfriend. So I felt like I would needed to be on my best behavior because I was like, if I ever want to have a baby with this person, I can't be crazy. (laughs) So I can't let these hormones get to me. So like for me, I think it was like, I was trying so hard to do a mind over matter. Like, yes, you were you are injecting yourself with hormones. Your ovaries usually produce like one egg and now you're trying to produce 46 at one time. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, but I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Everything's good. I look at, I could be a really great pregnant person. <laughs> so, and then the second time, uh, this recent time I went with my brother and same thing. I was like, oh, I just can't put him through hell. So 
like I just I'm gonna try my very best to just y'all let these hormones get to me and so you know I think I felt what I needed to feel and I was a little bit tired and yeah sitting down was so so you just don't have space you don't have space in your lower abdomen and what I found was the worst was actually sitting in a vehicle both times I don't know if it's just how my pelvis shifts or anything um but other than that I was pretty pretty you know oh my nipples oh my god oh my god and you're just you're just like I mean it was really helpful that I went the second time with my brother because like you're ovulating you are horny you want to be bred (laughs) oh going with my brother I was like yeah I don't feel that this time (laughs) he helped suppress that um but the first time with my current like with my boyfriend at the time I was like you gotta lock your shit up (laughs) I'm concerned for your safety so that was that was my experience and um yeah I think that answers the question now envisioning you with your sexy voice that you have right now too hey baby what is it off a bridesmaid? Feel that heat coming from my undercarriage. Oh gosh. It is so interesting though when you were saying like it's such a small world because we don't talk about the bad times. Like miscarriage, everything in vitro. Like in vitro is quite like I know a few people now, right? I didn't know, like, right? And so I think, yeah. It's just nice. Like, this is why I like this, just to talk and normalize that this is actually like, even if you see someone walking around with healthy little babies, you don't know how they got there. You don't know the between story of each child. And I think it's pretty cool that on from the donation aspect that, oh my gosh, I'm going to cough. Oh gosh, gee. Yeah, I was I was imitating you. Hello. Um, that's so cool. Like, so my dad was adopted, and I just think how amazing that you are giving a human out in the world like the chance to have something special, like a little baby. Just so cool. Um. Yeah, it's interesting to hear you say that, Mel, because that's another piece of the. Like you said, when you talk about those things that came like that last year before like making that decision, I had said like, you know, oh, you know, there were things that came in that just like, you know, those things, like the things that came into the universe that like, um, one being, um, a girl I knew, um, I, I don't, I don't know her well, so I don't know the exact story, but like they ended up, um, like adopting because they had tried, um, in vitro, I believe. Um, And then another thing that happened here in recent months is I've known from a very young age that I have a half sister, um, but only within this last year has she now been in contact with our family. Like, it's just things like that, that just kind of like, wow, the world is just so small. And again, like you had said to Kaylin, yeah, like we don't know how we're going to feel if in a year I make the phone call and they're like, there's a, one of your embryos took like I will cross that bridge when I get to because right now it feels really good 
and and I I know that I said I wasn't going to speak for my husband in this thing. I was only going to speak to my experience, but you know, having our appointment with it, right? Like it's it had to come from both of us. Like if one of us would have been like, yeah, the other one would have been like, hard no. Like obviously we wouldn't be doing this. So I will speak for him on the you know in the way of like he was very on board and ready for this too. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's really cool and I can't wait, you know, like maybe one day we'll all just uh sit down with our our <laughs> genetic material and <laughs> just kidding, there'll be kids by that point. But um yeah, no, it is cool. It is and I and I do, you know, imagine the future. And actually my brother said this after my first um my first procedure, he was like, Oh, Galen, like, you know, you I could just see you. I could just see you having a baby by yourself. I'm like, what? Why? He's like, well, think about it. You already have two sperm donors that you could choose from. You could go back to these intended parents and then you could just have like a full on family. But like the kids would be like full blood. And I'm like, oh, no, that's not going to happen. But, you know, maybe. (laughs) My mind instantly went to baby mama and you're Tina Fey and you're going to find yourself an Amy Poehler. You haven't seen Baby Mama. You need to see Baby Mama. I just remember the toilet seat part. We're just like, how you learn one of these? Anyways, we gotta we gotta wrap this up. So, uh, this brings us to Q and A with Mel and Kay. Quickly think of a question for us. (laughs) So live Q and A with Mel and Kay. We put you on the spot, and you just have to think of a random question to ask both of us, and we'll answer it unfiltered and unscripted, and it can be anything. Ready? First thing, oh, wow. what's your favorite summer activity? I don't know. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, I, you know what? Last year we started going to the beach more with the kids and I'm, they're at the age where it's super fun. I love ball and I'd really like to get back into playing baseball. Oh, and I just love no schedules. I just love summer because it's nice and it's hot and there's water and there's no schedules. And everyone's in a better mood. So I, I just, anything outside. Yeah. Anything outside. Day drinking. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But seriously, the first ray of sunshine that hits me, I'm like, that's it. I'm quitting my job. <laughs> well, actually I am. But <laughs> to go spend time out the winter in New Zealand. Anyways, uh, no, I love paddle boarding. I really love paddle boarding. What about you, Alicia? Uh, oh, I know I do. So we, oh, farming. Oh. <laughs> I don't know if I'd call that my favorite summer activity at this point. Um, yeah, Kaylin just said it. I don't know if you heard her. We live a hop, skip and a jump away from a little oasis called Big Knife. And I do, I try and get there as much as possible to just whether we camp or hike or just play at the park or yeah, I love that. Perfect. Well, um, thank you so much, Alicia, for being here and sharing your journey with us. Uh, we appreciate it. And uh, yeah, thanks for stripping with us. Stay weird. <laughs> <laughs>